Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais with another episode of the Yaki Show Business Channel. This is the show and the channel that brings you actionable business ideas and tips to help you thrive and survive, help your business thrive and survive in the interesting times we seem to be heading into. Uh, We do that by bringing you interesting guests. Today, you've got a bonus. We have four interesting guests, uh, very special guests, in fact. But I'm not going to steal Kathleen's thunder, so let's first introduce Kathleen Beauvais, co-host, and she can tell you about our guests. Hi, Kathleen. How are you today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you for that. And thank you also very much for tuning into our show. And today we are so excited to have our third installment for interviews with these wonderful authors who collaborated together to uh, write the most amazing marketing book ever. And I'm not kidding you. That's what it's called. (laughs) Yes, everybody. (laughs) The most amazing marketing book ever. It's a collaborative work of uh, by 36 marketing specialists worldwide. The book is now available in paperback, audiobook, as well as Kindle versions. And I would urge anybody out there to go and, and get this book immediately. So we just want to jump right into it. And let's introduce our first guests. Uh, so we'll go straight to Frank Prendergast and Marcy Cornett. They're a husband and wife team. Frank and Marcy are award-winning digital marketers who help solopreneurs and small businesses grow online and rise above the blah. So Frank and Marcy, tell us about your chapter in the book titled, You Can't Afford to Ignore Marketing Research. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, so our our chapter is on marketing research. And the reason I think that we wanted to write about that is because it is, well, first of all, I mean, it just, it, it will revolutionize your marketing once you get into marketing research. That's something that we experienced, you know, with our clients and yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, originally when we go, if we go way back when myself and Marcy started working together first, we were creating websites for people. And (laughs) what we discovered at that point was that people were coming to us for a website, but they didn't actually have the foundational work done of what their brand was. So we first developed an onboarding process so that we could create an effective website. We developed an onboarding process that helps people define their brand. Then we actually, we wanted to get away from doing websites and we took the brand definition part and we hived it off into its own thing. But we realized that we were working at that point very much with the business owners and it was all from the business owner's perspective. Mm-hmm. Dive deep into you know who their ideal customer was, but it was all based on their experience of the customer and their assumptions. And so you know, it was, you know, them um, assuming what was most important mm-hmm. to the customer. It was all coming from within them. So we realized, look, the missing part of the puzzle here is we have to get out into the market and find out what are people actually saying, feeling, thinking about our clients. Um, Once we did that, it just completely changed how we were able to create marketing. And it just, I mean... Yeah, I mean, very, very early on, we... um... So we redid a web page for one of our clients, and um, to do that project, we took we took under we did quite a big research phase, and part of that was 
interviewing our clients' clients. We did several mm -hmm. interviews and we did that before ever making a decision of, you know, how the page, how the page would change, what would go on the page, what wouldn't go on the page. Um, we did those interviews, got lots of good stuff from that, um, based all, all of our decisions on our research. In some cases, um, pulled messaging and even copy straight out of the interviews and just put that on the page. And we had our, um, so after getting that live, we had our 30-day check-in to see how things were going. And there was a 77% increase in leads. And that was with, you know, no other change, no change yeah, to traffic yeah. sources or anything like that. It was just up, you know, doing the marketing research and basing all of the decisions on the research. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so I think, you know, when it came to write the chapter, not only did we want to share how, you know, what a phenomenal change it can make to your marketing, but also we wanted to address the huge issue that particular, to be honest, across the board in business, but particularly for small businesses, there is a massive resistance to doing marketing research. And um, I think, did you want to, Marcy kind of, Marcy talks about how I think small businesses often Yeah, it's just, like there's, you know, they feel this pressure to, um, like, they have to have all the answers. Like, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's a sign of weakness to talk to other people or to, um you know, talk to your customers that they need to be seen as the authority figure who has all the answers. So we really want to kind of impress on people the huge difference it can make, but also to help them to get over that resistance because it has never been easier to do marketing research. You probably sure. are already, you know, sure, there are lots of sophisticated tools out there. There's lots of really complicated stuff you get involved in. But for most small businesses, you're already using a lot of the tools that mm -hmm. you can just use for marketing research. I mean, we still, even though there's all kinds of things, uh, all kinds of tools out there that you could use for surveys, we fall back to Google Forms an awful mm -hmm. lot of time. And that's free to use if you have a Google account. Zoom is fantastic for doing interviews. And obviously in the last couple of years, who doesn't have Zoom and who isn't willing sure. to have Zoom? Um, so you're, you're probably already using the tools. And so it's just a case of getting over that hump of talking to people and asking questions. Yeah. And we, I mean, we often say like surveys are a great entry point if you've never done marketing research before, because, you know, if you're using Google Forms, they're free to put together, but, you know, they're easy, they're low cost to put together. You can um, collect quantitative and qualitative data so you can you know ask numerical valued questions but you can also ask open-ended questions where people can you know write paragraphs of you know responses if, if they want to um so yeah they're just really easy to kind of you know start start into your marketing research journey mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then very good and then we always encourage people to work up doing interviews because the depth of insights you can get when you get comfortable doing interviews is just incredible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for anyone who, who's feeling resistance to doing those interviews as well, I think, you know, Marcy actually has a, a great article published on this because Marcy would consider herself more of an introvert. And Marcy has an article that is basically saying, look, if I can, if I can hop on these interviews and conduct this, you know, so can you. Um, so were you were you about to ask us something, Peter? Sorry. 
I was, and I was just going to reinforce what you're saying, that my, my experience, and, and I've been guilty of this myself, I know, my experience with many small to medium-sized business owners that I've worked with is that, A, we've always done it this way, um, it's worked for us, we know what our customers want, and, and that attitude and perspective, as you say, stops so many of them um, doing market research, expanding, and the, the second problem that causes is when sales start dropping they think well we'll just do more of what we were, were doing whether that was advertising or word of mouth or customer event and and very often they throw more money at something that's not working anyway so I'm trying to reinforce what you were saying um what's your major tip for people looking at for our audience small businesses entrepreneurs uh, market research is quite a broad area is there one specific specific metric you would advise people to look at right now a specific metric I think, um, I mean, I don't know about a specific metric. And I suppose the one, the tricky bit about marketing research is that the metric is going to change depending on what you are doing the research for. Sure. Um, but the tip that we did want to share. Was... Yes. So our tip would be, um, you know, obviously to you know start talking to people, obviously talk to your customers and talk to your prospects but also talk to your non-buyers um, because they have yes. so much good insights to share with you about the obstacles that stop them from buying. And that's that's definitely information you want in on, like what is actually stopping people from buying? Sure. You know, how can how can we overcome that? And yeah, that's that very good advice. You know, that resistance that we talked about to marketing research, if there is general resistance to marketing research, the resistance to talking to non-buyers is even greater yes and we have actually found you know we will say we will say look we would love to talk to someone who actually didn't purchase can you put us in touch with someone and we gotta you know be, our clients are often very reluctant to put us in touch and say well they're not gonna they didn't buy they're not gonna want to talk to you and actually we have found that people there is always not everyone is going to say yes even all not all of your customers are going to say yes sure. for doing research but there is always enough people who are more than willing to say yes, more than willing to give you the time and more than willing to share, you know, what it was, what the obstacles were, what the frustrations were. So yeah, um, really, really good tip there. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Marcy. That's very good advice for our audience. Uh, let's move on. Our next guest and next author, and we forgot to say right up front that we are all here today because of the guidance and leadership of one man, one of the most influential marketing people in the world, Mark Schaefer, who brought us together in a community called Rise over the last couple of years. We've all had a lot of fun and learned a tremendous amount, mm -hmm. and that led to the collaboration of the book. So thanks to Mark. Our next uh, guest and author is Karine Abu. She is a former lawyer turned entrepreneur turned content marketer who now focuses on AI content marketing. She works with businesses implementing business-to-business -business content projects and marketing strategies. She's also an author in her own right and a founder of the French Content Marketing Academy. Karine, talk to us about your chapter, which is called Creating a Powerful Content Marketing Strategy. Uh, with pleasure. Thank you so much for, for having me, first of all, and very proud to be well surrounded by my friends now because we're all friends, thanks to, to Mark Schaefer, as you said. Mm -hmm. um, so a few things about my chapter. One thing that is extremely important is that this chapter went for printing. If I remember well, the last you know final dot was put like around December, beginning of December 2022. Mm -hmm. 
this has become an almost historical date <laughs> because ChatGPT yes. was released in November of 2022. And obviously it has changed dramatically the field of content marketing for good. Mm -hmm. There is no way back. I'm sorry to say that, but that that's the harsh truth. So having said that, I... And thank God, I, I'm very proud of that. I already introduced in this chapter that, of course, um, the content creation part, which is a major milestones in a content strategy, obviously, uh, needs to be done with the help of AI. It would be a mistake and something not smart not to use AI for this. That's mm -hmm. obvious. That was obvious in December. Now, in my chapter, the idea was to really um, provide an entrepreneur, a small business owner with a framework, extremely, of course, summarized of how to start building and implementing a content strategy. You have books that has been written on this, like I don't count them, thousands of pages. And I had to summarize this in 1,500 words. So obviously it's just a framework. And um, I think this framework composed of eight, nine major steps is exactly the same. Get to know your audience. And that point, uh, Marcy's and French uh, chapter is critical and amazing, by the way. Uh, know your audience, determine your topic, find your keywords, uh, position yourself, understand your personal brand, choose your platform, decide how you're going to distribute your content. All those things has not changed and will probably not change. The thing that has changed due to AI is the ability for anyone to use such a framework and almost to do it on his own, mm -hmm. except two things. And I really have to adapt my speak today, considering the, it's not even a hype, but the, the, the disruption AI is bringing. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to focus on that specifically because you basically, and I'm not going to lie, don't even have to work with someone like me to set up your content strategy now, thanks to tools like ChatGPT or others. That could be something any entrepreneur or small business owner can do. <laughs> the question is, will they actually do it? And second of all, what will prevent them what will prevent them to do so and that's one of the major point i want to mm -hmm. ai can help you basically do everything ai will be integrated in everything everything we do and at the first level of that marketing the one thing entrepreneur and i'm i'm getting a little bit ahead uh, with your tips that you require the one thing that entrepreneurs need to do is really to understand how it works and how it can help them implement this content strategy. For that, they have to be very humble, but they also have to be very, uh, I would say, excited because mm -hmm. it's exciting. It's very new. Everything is changing. And we are all 20 years old. We can all start with this <laughs> from scratch, really. And there is no first line, second line whatsoever. Everybody can start. And um, they should and they need to consider absolutely understanding the basics of AI and how it can help them building content for their brand and to grow their business. That's compulsory to me. Now, having said that, two things are extremely critical now because of our thanks to AI when it comes to content strategy. The first one is since 
the ability to create content is absolutely unlocked. Personal brand and building a personal brand for an entrepreneur has become a must, absolute must. Mm -hmm. There is no way an entrepreneur, even a very small business owner, someone who is selling only just like, I don't know, green peas or whatsoever, needs to consider that if he wants to sell something, anything, he will have to make himself known. Why? Because I don't know how you sell if you don't communicate. And if you communicate online, then everybody will be able to do it thanks to AI. So building your own content, finding your own only I, the famous you know expression we all struggle on, he's um, going to become critical in a content strategy way above keywords research, mm -hmm. way above uh, market research to find your topic, way above all those things. That's my personal opinion. Um, the second thing is you, um, the second thing besides the fact of building a personal brand and using AI, the pros and cons to, to focus on that is really how are you going to, communicate about what you do and how you how you do it. One of the major problems with AI is that we're all going to be very soon um, facing the fact that everybody will copy everyone. Mm -hmm. The web is going to become like, um, and, and it's not going to be in four or five years. It's going to come much sooner than we think. Mm -hmm. So once you said, okay, I'm going to create content through the lens of my personal brand, the second question is, how am I going to make sure that what I have to spread to communicate about me and my business is not going to be copied everywhere? And for that, I think the answer is really building your own community. Mm -hmm. The good thing with that is that you don't have to build your own community specifically online. Online can be a way to do so, but you have plenty of examples uh, of community that are built offline first and then online is just to I would say um, keep the momentum going you know and and just making other people know that you have a community it's marketing also and it's marketing through content it's just a different way to create your content and to to spread it so those are the two things I, I want to mention the third thing I think and and just to to conclude on that is one of the major shifts AI will bring to content marketing, <laughs> I'm sorry to say that, and I'm, I'm very confused sometimes because I don't see that many marketers talking about this. It's going to change SEO or what we know as SEO forever. Mm -hmm. And it's happening right now. <laughs> and, it's, and it's big. It's really big. Because SEO, as we know, Keyword research, as we know, building topic cluster, as we know, is never going to be the same. Google is changing all its, its ranking, uh, its content ranking rules, factor mm -hmm. rules. You know? So this is something I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that an entrepreneur needs to get on top of those things, but at least being aware, knowing mm -hmm. that it's going to change, uh, Keeping up to date to those things, stay connected to the change that's going to occur is, is part, I, I don't think it's even a marketing decision. I think it's a business decision mm -hmm. and it's a critical business decision because at some point there is no way you're not going to be able to, you're going to be able to sell anything if you're not online. Sure. If, if Google is not the Google we know for the past 10 years, 
that is something you should be aware of and at least um, paying attention to. Absolutely. Thanks, Karin. Um Something that, that I'm seeing already, you were talking about people copying. We are seeing in some of our application, people applying to be on the show, some of the profiles we are convinced are written by AI and have not been edited by AI because the same words are coming up. Um, and we I've seen, seen it in some marketing content, people pitching various things that it's almost the same boilerplate being used for, by different people. I think that's a huge danger for those entrepreneurs and business people who are too lazy to spend some time putting their own interpretation on it. Uh, it's, I think savvy consumers and business consumers especially will soon start recognizing when it's all AI with no personal touch to it. What, what's your thoughts on that? Um. I'm not sure I'm going to answer straight the question because I have so many thoughts re related to that. But the thing is, I hear a lot of people saying that AI is very difficult. It's very dangerous. It's going to it's gonna kill us all, like the end of the world and the end of the months, you know, <laughs> that, that that's really something very big. But the thing is, when you... If you if you ever tried really to use ChatGPT to replace and to do the work instead of you, you're going to notice very quickly that you're not going so far with this tool. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not really going anywhere because it's creating what? It, it's building content as a com commodity for a website, yep. but you're not going to sell anything with that. I mean, like it's like everything no. will be able to do this. So, sure. Yeah, it was just um, my, my I'm noticing already that people tend to be putting AI-generated content out there without putting their own spin on it. And I think if that becomes obvious, it's going to be detrimental to those people. Mm -hmm. But it creates opportunities for people like you and everyone on this panel. So right. I'm taking up a lot of your time. Let's uh, go back to Kathleen quickly. Over to you. Well, uh, Peter, let's go on to our final guest. And her name is Anna Bravington. Anna is a – I love this bio, by the way <laughs> – <laughs> Anna is a biscuit-loving, cat fanatic, co I love that already, I love you, cat fanatic, co-founder of Those That Dare. She brings together business and marketing to create strategies both the audience and the C-suite would love. She was included in the NatWest Telegraph 100 Female Entrepreneurs to Watch list in 2022, but promises she won't let it go to her head. <laughs> She's also a podcast host. So Anna... Can you tell us about your chapter, which is titled Connecting to Emotions Through Experiential Marketing? Well, I was quite late to this project. And um, the, I'd met Mark Schaefer in the September. And the, once I'd got onto his group, there was, this, there was about, there was a couple of chapters left in the book. And there was this poor little experiential marketing one that came up, which was, and I kind of felt a little bit sorry for it because it was, it was there and no, and all unloved. And um, I um, previously, re, not long before that, I'd worked um, in-house at Game, which is a video games high, high street retailer. And we did a lot of experiential marketing there. So, oh, give me this chapter. I'm going to go, I'm going to go for it. And I absolutely, I, I love experiential marketing. I think it's a misunderstood term. I mean, when you say experiential marketing, it just sounds like it's going to be hard work from the name, doesn't it? But what it is, it's about making, connecting with people through emotions, experiences that generate emotions. And so it's really important to 
not overthink it because I think when people think experiential they think oh big events you know conferences but actually you can have lots of micro moments and small things that bring people's emotions um, to the forefront and why this is really important now is there's a lot of competition in the market huge volume of competition and it's like if you go on google and you go into this the shopping and you have a dog collar and then an, another shop selling another identical dog collar and they're the same price what's going to make you choose one over the other that's not not financially rewarding and a lot of that is about how you feel about a company and there's um there's a great um diagram in a book i can't remember the name of the book but it's by Pearson Pearson it's about how people make decisions and it covers everything from your upbringing your state of mind your where you live who your friends are and there's all these things that are subconsciously in in your brain of why you're going to make a decision and so if you're going to you need to kind of pull those out and you're not going to do that with basic price and product. That's just logic brain. You want to pull into this subconscious that's really making people think why they choose one over the other. So if I give you an example, I buy my notebooks from a company called Citrus Book Bindery and I buy them from there. There's loads of wonderful notebooks, but I'm part of their Facebook group and we talk about all the different fountain pens we like, the different types of paper. They, the two owners, um, Fran and Ian, talk about, you know, what they're doing, what, what they're working on, the new projects they share covers with us. And so we've got that real emotional connection with the brand. And so I now buy all of my notebooks from there because I absolutely love them. And it's just this small community that has brought that forward. If they were just another shop, I might not have got that love for them that mm. I I love, and I will I will never I will never cheat on them with another book shop <laughs> in the in the world, and this is where this emotion comes from. It's really important, and when I worked in video games, that was you get a lot of resellers of, of video games, and they all sell the same games. So how do you stand out? So we started doing um, campaigns like we did Microsoft for the next book biggest influencer and we got people to share videos of why they wanted to become games next biggest influencer and they shared these videos and so we shared them with everyone and got everyone involved and it was a competition so they went through stages so we picked some finalists then we did a big twitch stream which is an online live stream where these people would game and then people would comment on it and then we would pick the winners and it, the whole thing was a huge experience from end to end and it just giving people that fun and that emotional connection to you works really well. And we found it a lot because we had, again, we had a sister company called Belong, which was a, they're like little gaming places in town high streets and shopping districts where you could come and play on the gaming PCs and they had little communities attached to them. And we found that the people that use the Belong arenas were thought more highly of the game brand in connection with them because mm. they'd had this emotional connection. The thing is that experiences don't have to be big. So some of the ones I've described are quite big. The Citrus Book Bindery one was just a small little group. They can be tiny. So for example, I am part of BMO, which is the British Interactive Media Association. And all they do is set up Zoom calls 
And he's sort of what Frank and Marcy were saying, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes you've got the tools at hand to do these things. And they'd set up Zoom calls. So there's a strategy groups Zoom call. There's a sales Zoom call. And people just get on them. We chat about our issues and our problems and the things that we're facing at the time. It doesn't cost them anything. And it's really, really simple to do. And that's kind of where I think that particularly small businesses should be going. We're sort of saying about tips. For me, it's making the most of not nothing fancy at the moment. You know, everyone is tight on money. It's mm -hmm. really, really difficult at the moment. So don't go splashing out on a huge conference or a big event see how you can be really clever with these things can you set up a zoom calls can you can you set up a small community can you is, have your followers already got a community that you can go and join mm -hmm. you know it doesn't even have to be your own community i'm really thinking about it and going back to what frank and marcy were saying about that research phase finding out Asking your customers, giving them a phone call. I love phoning up customers. <laughs> so Frank and Marcy are saying, I absolutely love it. I am also an introvert, but actually I'm really nosy as well. And so I love phoning up and, you know, just finding out from different people's customers, what are you doing? Where are you hanging out? You can do it for experiences. You know, are you part of any Facebook groups? Do you go to any meetups? Ask them these questions as part of your research because, when you're setting up experiential marketing, you you know then where these people are and where you can go to. And you can also start with just a small portion of your audience. You don't have to do all of them. So you can get like a few of your loyal followers and get them to start, you mm -hmm. know, have a little like a, a little group, get them to be your ambassadors, get them to decide what projects to do, because also this helped take the weight off you as a business owner. I'm very much on trying to do as least work possible because we're all very busy. So see if you've got some ambassadors or people that will help you organize things or that will, uh, you know, contribute and, and lift a bit of the weight. And then, you know, you can give them things like prizes or little gifts or, you know, if you're a service-based business, give them some, some of your time, you know, as ambassadors. And then that way they can do a little bit of the lifting for you. So if you want to start a community, have them as moderators and to join in. Or if you're um, wanting to do the Zoom calls, so the Beamer Zoom calls, they actually don't set most of them up. It's actually the community that set them up. Yeah. So they're really making it very light work for themselves. You've got to be clever with these things. So that's that's sort of where I think small businesses should sit. Make it small, make it easy. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure you you understand where they already are so that you're not going in the wrong direction and then get some help because if people really like you they'll they'll join in and have some fun with you no oh, very good Anna. thanks good advice good tips and um just quick one before i hand back to kathleen that's the book the greatest marketing book ever and it's available from amazon and there will be a link in the description of the video or whichever audio platform you're listening to this on and there will also be links for each of our guests today so if you want to find out more from their more of their words of wisdom more of their expertise you can contact them directly by going to the description so that's about it from me just to thank all our guests once more and hand it back to kathleen
No, thank you. And oh my goodness, what a pleasure it was to have you all as our guest today. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us. And thank you all once again. If anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please visit us at theyackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form and we would love to hear from you. So until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.